Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.58 a.m. On, what, Wednesday, the 31st of March, 2021, this is episode 391 of Bitcoin, and let's be honest, nobody knows the true extent of the capabilities of this system because it's enmeshed in us as we are as enmeshed in it, which gives rise to emergent properties. Now, I'm talking about Bitcoin here. What is that? What the hell does that mean? Or what is it? Well, it's a tweet I I sent back to Shinobi who had said, wait until you realize you can do this with smart contracts instead of purely custodial accounts. Maybe you'll start realizing what this system is actually capable of. What is that one? Well, he's actually responding to Michael Saylor's tweet who says, the ideal mobile wallet will eventually let you pay merchants in USD or euros funded by a low interest credit line secured by your BTC assets. If BTC collateral falls below threshold, switch to unsecured credit line at higher rate. Ergo, no need to sell your Bitcoin and incur taxes. And indeed, Shinobi is right. You can do this shit through smart contracts. You don't really need, you don't really need a lender. You don't need somebody to custody your shit. Okay. So in this particular case, Michael's kind of diving off into the deep end without really knowing where the bottom is. So why did I say what I said about emergent properties? Because Shinobi doesn't know the extent of this system either, and neither do I. And I mean, Shinobi's a smart guy. I mean, come on, let's be, let's be truly honest. Shinobi's not an idiot. He, he knows as he, he's one of the most knowledgeable people in this space. And even he doesn't get it. I don't get it. You don't get it. Nobody gets it because of emergent properties. What are emergent properties? Well, when two systems rub up against each other, they have a tendency to, I don't know, engage in a kind of a a friction generation that generates energy that you cannot, you cannot predict what the hell is going to happen. All right. That's, that's what happens. This is one of the reasons why I know that Bitcoin itself is truly alive because the, a system that is, that has the kind of properties that Bitcoin does is somehow or another. Oh, what am I trying to say here? It's a living, breathing organism and it's literally permeated many of our beings as we have permeated it. We are a truly, truly codependent species at this point. And codependency in this, in this particular case is not bad. Okay. It's just that as we rub up against each other, we create energies that neither system could actually predict or, or fully utilize by the way. So just, let's just start today off with that one. Now, Bitcoin is an unstoppable stone. This one is written by Max Power for Bitcoin Magazine. Within the Old Testament of the Bible is a brief story that serves as an effective analogy to the strength and momentum of the Bitcoin network. And you can read it here, and we will. Thou, O King, sawest, and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form therefore was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them into pieces. Then 
was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken to pieces together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Daniel chapter 2 verses 31 through 35. Daniel is kind of a terrifying book if you read that thing. <laughs> it's, it's almost as scary as, as uh, uh, oh, what's the, uh, the hell's the name of the last book of the Bible? You know, the scary stuff. Oh, God, it's just way too damn early in the morning. Whatever. In, in this story, a king dreamed a dream, and in it he saw a great statue. The statue was made of all manner of fine materials, including gold, silver, brass, iron, and clay. The statue appears to be great and terrible. Onlookers view it and see the gold, the silver, and the brass. It appears to be strong, durable, and of great value. But upon close inspection, one realizes that the statue is actually built on a foundation of weak clay. The same can be said of today's central banks. Ask any of your friends, and you will find that they likely believe that the central bank currency is backed by gold. Ask them what fiat means, and they will probably mention a European car company. Similar to the statue, most will miss the reality that central banks are built on their own version of weak clay, and that is paper money. The story goes on to describe a stone that is cut without hands. This stone not only topples the statue, breaking it into pieces, but also it became, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The stone can be likened to the Bitcoin network. No one truly knows the truth behind Bitcoin network's origin. It was created by a pseudonymous individual or a team of individuals. It may have well been cut without hands, or rather cut out without hands, as there are no hands with which to credit its creation. As the stone in the story toppled the great and terrible statue, so too has Bitcoin begun its path to toppling central banks. As the Bitcoin network continues to grow and gain momentum, it grows closer to toppling the world's central banks. There comes a point when attempts to regulate or ban it become as pathetic as attempting to stop a large stone as it rolls mercilessly down a mountainside. We have recently seen Nigeria ban the network only to see its peer-to-peer -peer usage surge. The ban did not last long and was officially lifted earlier last week. Bitcoiners joke that India has banned the Bitcoin network at least three times already, whereas nearby Pakistan has taken a different approach entirely. I would argue that the network has already crossed the inflection point and has sufficient momentum that it cannot be stopped. And <clears throat> as an example, this past week, Jay Powell compared the network to digital gold, saying it is essentially a substitute for gold rather than the dollar. This pivot from previous statements suggests he has read the writing on the wall and is just trying to get out of the way. We see companies like MicroStrategy dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin. According to the Bitcoin treasuries, they currently hold 91,326 Bitcoin. We see the Canada, uh, we sorry, we see the Canada-based Purpose ETF surpass $1 billion worth of value a month after its initial launch. There appears to be eight more Bitcoin ETFs awaiting SEC approval at this time. The Bitcoin network stores over $1 trillion worth of value. There are close to 9,700 nodes spread out across every continent. There's way more than that, dude. But spread out across every continent, enforcing its rules. <clears throat> the network's computing power is so massive that its detractors complain it will boil oceans. It is clearly beyond the point of regulation. Just as the great and terrible statue was destroyed, so too will the central banks of this world be. The Bitcoin network will fill the whole earth, and there is nothing anyone can do to stop it. Bullish AF, bro. Max Power just ripping the shit right out of the hands of the weak and putting it into the hands of the strong. Nice. This is a good job. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know. I could, I could... I could say differently. I don't think the central banks are going away anytime soon. Okay, let's let's not let's not fool ourselves into a false sense of well-being and everything is going to be fine. Everything is not going to be fine. These people are going to fight and they've got a lot of firepower. All right? I it's it's going to happen and you're going to have to be prepared. 
All right. There, there's things that we can do. And what are they? Exactly what we do every day. You buy Bitcoin. You hold Bitcoin. Not like these weak ass pussies I woke up to this morning. We'll get to that later. Uh, actually, we're going to get to it right now. Bitcoin rejection at 60K ends five day, days of growth by Daniel Phillips. He's who is writing for Decrypt.co. Bitcoin stopped short of retaking the 60 grand threshold earlier today following a harsh rejection at the $59,800 price point. Following five days of constant growth during which Bitcoin recovered from the $50,000 or sorry, $50,427 mark back up to today's high of 59,800, the cryptocurrency failed to maintain its momentum and suffered a staggering $600 million in liquidations over a period of minutes. Oh man, that hurts. This sent the value of Bitcoin plunging from 59800 to as low as 56679 in just over an hour. The dump was fueled by a wave of triggered stop losses with $1,800. Wait, it says $1,800 wiped from Bitcoin's value in a single five-minute candle. So they're talking about the general coin price. Since then, the price of Bitcoin has largely recovered and is currently hovering around $57,500. It is now down around 2.9% for the day, fueled by a wave of news including rising interest rates and a third stimulus bill in the United States. Bitcoin reached an all-time high of over 61 grand earlier this month. Today's pullback pullback means Bitcoin needs to rack up another 7% gain to reach a new peak price. Despite today's sudden sell-off, the overall cryptocurrency market is at close to its highest ever market value. Just hours ago, the total market capitalization of all cryptocurrencies reached $1.89 trillion, more than 10 times its value exactly one year ago today. Likewise, Alternative.me's Crypto Fear and Greed Index currently sits at 76, which is an extreme greed marker, indicating buyers are still hungry for further growth. Yeah, so if you're waking up to great big red dildos, that's that's what happened. We apparently got really close to 60K, and I heard on Twitter this morning that there was a giant sell wall at 60K, so... Some weird bear is out there just wanting to make sure that we can't have nice things. They're going to end up dying sooner or later. Uh, but the bears will always be with you, okay? Just like, and we're in Holy Week, so just like Jesus said that the poor will always be with you, yeah, <laughs> they're the bears. <laughs> and no, they're not going to be poor because these assholes probably bought in at 10 bucks and they're just getting rich as snot. It's okay because, again... Bitcoin's Bitcoin's relationship with us as humans and our relationship with Bitcoin as a mechanism of wealth storage and wealth transfer across time and space is by itself a brand new organism. We're a symbiotic thing at this point. Keep that in mind because it's really important. These things these things occur and if you're unable or unwilling to believe in things that are huge, much, much larger than yourself, then you're going to miss the point. You're also going to miss the boat, which may be good because boating accidents and Bitcoiners do not mix. Neither do futures, especially this bullshit. CME Group introduces micro Bitcoin futures contract. Oh, joy. Today, CME Group, which is among the world's largest derivatives marketplaces, announced the introduction of a new, quote, micro-Bitcoin futures contract, which will start trading on May the 3rd, or rather pending regulatory approval. A micro-Bitcoin futures contract will be one-tenth the size of a Bitcoin, which would allow market participants to execute trading or hedging strategies in smaller denominations than were previously offered, (coughs) with current Bitcoin futures contracts trading in denominations of five Bitcoin apiece. Since the launch of the Bitcoin futures contract in December of 2017, open interest and average daily volume has continued to increase, displaying the robust and growing demand for Bitcoin exposure among institutions. Year-to-date, 13,800 CME Bitcoin futures contracts, equivalent to about 69,000 Bitcoin, have traded on average every single day. 
according to the micro features um, announcement. The announced micro contracts open up exposure to Bitcoin futures to a different class of retail traders and enable those looking to create trading strategies based on smaller contract futures sizing to do so. So yay, more derivatives. Why don't, okay, just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. The, the, this whole instrumentation and reinstrumentation and reimagining of the underlying asset, in my opinion, is a waste of your time. And it causes problems like, you know, 60,000 60, uh, rejections and shit like that. Right? It's just, I don't know. I don't think, I'm, I am not a fan of the futures market for Bitcoin. However, what, you know, what, what can I do about it? Nothing. And that's actually the best thing about the Bitcoin futures market is that I can't stop it. And neither can you, neither can anybody else. You can be in love with Bitcoin way more than I am. And you ain't doing dick. Why? Because Bitcoin is for enemies. And we're not just talking about, you know, depending on how you feel. Okay. Because I don't necessarily feel that prostitutes, drug dealers are my enemy. But <clears throat> if you do and you're, oh, well, those are the people that are using Bitcoin. They're the enemy. Yes, they are. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. But my enemy are fucking futures traders and bears that defend 60,000, you know, $60,000 levels. It's ridiculous. This is why we can't have nice things, people. This, this, this is why. So the question becomes whether or not Tesla is using BTC pay server as their back end to sell Tesla cars for Bitcoin. I honestly don't think we know, but we may find out more information from Thomas M who's writing for BTC times. Open source Bitcoin payment processor BTC pay server released a patch today, which covered a few low impact vulnerabilities and one critical vulnerability. Excuse me. This, <clears throat> the services developers recommend that users who use Docker deployment have configured an email server and have enabled registration for their users update their client as soon as possible. Although important to know, bug fixes are nothing out of the ordinary and normally wouldn't prompt us to write about an article. Uh, the eye catcher was a tweet BTC pay nonchalantly attached to its release thread, which reads, we want to thank Tesla for submitting the disclosure that led to these fixes and helping us with remediation. Thank you for contributing to the community and keeping our users safe, end quote. Unsurprisingly, this tweet has so far outperformed the rest of the thread as Twitter users flooded the comment system with overwhelmingly positive reactions to Tesla's contributions to developments within the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yet, this left many wondering how Tesla had discovered the vulnerabilities in the first place. The obvious answer would be that Tesla is, to some extent, either looking to use BTC Pay Server <clears throat> or are already actively doing so. Only last week, the firm added Bitcoin as a payment option to its online stores in the U.S., making good on the plans it announced when it announced uh, its $1.5 billion Bitcoin purchase. At the time, Tesla chief Elon Musk noted that Tesla is running its own Bitcoin nodes to process payments and has no plans to convert the Bitcoin received through the store to fiat currencies. Thanks to its open source and self-hosted design, BTC Pay Server has enjoyed increased popularity among Bitcoiners and Bitcoin companies looking to accept Bitcoin payments while maintaining the spirit of Bitcoin's core characteristics. When asked by a Twitter user called BTC Cat whether BTC Pay Server could confirm that Tesla is using its software, BTC Pay contributor Pavelnex proved this point once again by responding, quote, I don't think we can confirm that. I guess that's the beauty of it, end quote. True, absolutely true. Um, yeah, we, we don't know, okay? We have no idea. The only, thing that we, the only thing that we can safely assume is that the people at Tesla are looking at BTC, BTC pay server under the hood. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kicking the tires. It's a car company, get it? They're kicking the tires. They're checking belt tensions. 
they're looking at stuff, which means that they're actually getting into the code, right? <clears throat> now, does that, what does that mean? It means nothing, nothing, nothing at all beyond that. It does not mean that they're using BTC pay server. Okay. They may not be, we don't know, but the good news is, is that they're looking under the hood. They're checking belt tensions. You know, they're looking at emissions. They're kicking the tires. They're doing all the things that a high quality automobile purchaser would be doing to look at it. And they may not do anything else with it. The fact that they're spending their time looking at the software is good enough for me and it should be good enough for you. But the main thing that you need to do is you buy Bitcoin and you hold Bitcoin. Why? Because stacking sats, how small weekly investments can offer decent returns. This is Dion Gilme, was it Gilme? Gilme, I can't pronounce his name. Bitcoin Magazine, sats, short for Satoshi are the smallest subunit of a Bitcoin, which is divisible up to eight decimal places. Stacking sats has become a common term in the Bitcoin community for building your holdings by purchasing small amounts of Bitcoin at a time. Investing in Bitcoin may seem daunting at times. Not only are there constant price fluctuations, but with a single Bitcoin exceeding $55,000, it may seem as if you'll never be able to build a decent sized investment. To illustrate the power of stacking sats, I created the following infographic. I'm not going to describe it. It's hard to visually, but essentially it's a graph and the graph goes up and to the right. The idea is fairly simple. You purchase small amounts when you can and slowly accumulate a decent position. <clears throat> Had you purchased just $5 of Bitcoin, uh, a year ago, on March 29, 2020, when Bitcoin was trading at $6,245 and continued purchasing five bucks worth of Bitcoin every Monday for the next year, your holdings would be 0.0203 BTC, which is roughly worth $1,184, having only invested $260 over the course of the year. Of course, over the past few months, there has been a bull run in the Bitcoin market with Bitcoin reaching new all-time highs as more institutional investors have started to embrace Bitcoin and the rapid increase in value has prompted more people to consider Bitcoin as an investment. This has affected the price and returns displayed in the image above. Again, up and to the right. Investing in Bitcoin is a long-term endeavor and short-term price movements should not deter you from pursuing an investment, no matter how small. Many have predicted that a single Bitcoin could someday be well, you know, worth well over $1 million, which in turn would make a single Satoshi worth one penny and having stacked as many as possible worth it. So you don't need hundreds or even thousands of dollars to start investing in Bitcoin. By simply starting with a few bucks here and there, when you have some to spare, you can start investing in Bitcoin and build a decent sized holding over time. This is what's known as dollar cost averaging people and it works. This is this is all that I do. the The last time that I that I bought Bitcoin and I, I bought and I bought more than a hundred dollars worth as part of a DCA strategy was uh, what last Wednesday, exactly one week ago, where I pulled the trigger on the downside and bought five hundred dollars worth all in one shot. I haven't done that shit in a while. And I murdered the living shit out of that trade, by the way, just, just saying, because it was last Wednesday. But Bitcoin will make you richer in other ways, and certainly not by attending university. <laughs> Nick Hoffman writes this one for Bitcoin Magazine and says, there is an opportunity cost in every decision that you make in life. Some are bigger than others but there is one I've seen way too many people fall for, and that is earning a degree at a university instead of buying Bitcoin. Attending a university today is extremely expensive and is pushed onto kids so hard that it's almost predatory. Most children don't have the money to pay for it, so they're incentivized to take on debt to attend, and this often backfires on students. Degrees don't guarantee jobs, and many young adults are left jobless, with debt, and no direction. As a college dropout myself, backed up by my Bitcoin friends who also dropped out, I can confidently say 
that accumulating Bitcoin and working on your passions is a much better use of your time and money rather than attending university. Don't believe me? Let's crunch some numbers. Take, for instance, James Madison University, which is a university in my home state that I was planning on attending, but I eventually turned it down. If, 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 if I would have attended this university straight out of high school and the annual cost on in-state tuition was going to be $26,726 for tuition, room, board, books, travel, personal cost, and loan fees. After a bare minimum of attending the school for four years, the cost would total more than $106,000. <clears> the price of Bitcoin was $6,000 or sorry, $6,537 on July the 5th, 2018, via price by date, the day students would start paying their schooling costs. If you would have invested that year's cost of $26,726 into Bitcoin on that day, you would have netted four Bitcoin. At the time of writing, is worth $235,285. You would have invested the cost of all four, if you would have invested the cost of all four years on that day, at the time of writing, that would now be worth $942,846. <clears throat> Both that four Bitcoin and 16 Bitcoin are way more money than most people will ever see in their lifetimes. To accumulate this much of a limited supply asset is a once-in-a-species opportunity that is wasted by nearly every young person. A 20 to 21-year-old with that Bitcoin could just sit on the BTC for the rest of their life and outperform most, if not all, of their colleagues who got a degree or multiple degrees from a university. They could even take some of that Bitcoin... <clears throat> excuse me, to develop a product or sell a service by starting a company in hopes to provide value to their society. Having more wealth opens up your options in life tremendously and gives you the freedom to explore your passions. This is something that university students do not get to experience. It's a much better way to start your adult life than to be shackled in debt with no money and no real sense of direction in life. So... <laughs> <laughs> With that said, I'm not going to read the rest of it because it that's real on, honestly you're just all in at that point. But I will say one thing about college. It was fun. I had a blast. I enjoyed college. I went like twice. <laughs> I earned two undergraduate degrees. But guess what? I did it at a time where there wasn't this predatory landscape. There there was no such thing when I went to college. Dude, there was no, I mean, yeah, there student loans existed, but nobody got them. You didn't need them. It was that cheap. I mean, it was cheap to go to college, dude. It was like, when I was going to college, it was like, I don't know, like 10 bucks, anywhere between 10 and 50 bucks a credit hour per semester. And of course, I didn't have room and board because I, you know, I rented, you know, either rented or, you know, then owned, you know, owned my own house while I was going. Well, my mom died, and I, instead of spending the money on, on a Lambo, I, I bought a small two-bedroom house so I didn't have to pay rent because I got tired of cutting $700 checks a month. But the, the point being is that when I went, it was fun, and it was fun because you weren't saddled with debt, because there was no predatory landscape of student loans that were gargantuan. And you know what else we didn't get as students when I was going? We did not get letters all the time in the mail from our university advertising a fucking visa card. No, I'm sh literally shit you not, man. This was going on all over the place on campus after I got out of school, where students were not only taking, you know, fifty, seventy-five, a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, they were getting credit card offers that were like zero percent APR for the first year with a credit limit of like $10,000. It was ridiculous. And what happened? They took those credit cards and they racked them up and then the interest rates changed to seven, 10, 15, in some cases, 18 to 20% on $10,000 on top of the student loans that they took. And it was facilitated by their own fucking campus. You wanna talk about a predatory landscape? Right now, it's in college. It's no longer fun. 
and they don't teach you the shit that you need to be taught. And it's sad. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm creeping myself out. Let's run the numbers. CNBC forward slash futures and commodities. Oil, eh, oil's not so bad today. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is down 0.12. Brent North Sea is down 0.3. Natural gas is actually up over a half a point. And let's see, is that it for energies? Yeah, that's it for energies. Now, gold and the other shiny metal rocks are doing okay this morning. Gold is up to almost, almost $1,687. Silver is down, but it's like negligible. Platinum is up 2%. Copper is up three quarters of 1%. And palladium is up almost 2%. So they're doing okay. Indices are moving sideways, except for NASDAQ, which is up 0.58%. And the S&P mini, which is up a third of a point. Uh, treasuries are mixed. We've got some to the upside, some to the downside, but we're talking about like 0.01 or 0.08 either way. So it's almost a negligible move. Real money has Bitcoin pegged at $57,892. Is that my high? No, my high is actually going to be over at Coinbase Pro at $57,979. And yeah, my low is $57,892. 313,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 13,000 transactions every hour on the hour. With almost half a million BTC being sent in that 24-hour period, which is about 20,000 BTC being sent on average per hour. <clears throat> with an average transaction value of one and a half BTC and a median transaction value of 0.017 BTC, which is about a grand. Block times are low, nine minutes and 44 seconds. We have, let's see, 0.69 BTC being, in taken, being taken in fees on a per block basis and 103 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. Uh, with a 3.5% rise in hash rate, we are back up to 164.85 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, is at 5.3 pennies. So there's your shitcoin index right there. Clark Moody <clears throat> dashboard has is showing 44,700 transactions waiting to clear through 87 blocks. So we're kind of backed up, right? Uh, we are still above $1 trillion in market cap, however. We're at $1.08 trillion, which is just below 10% of gold's market cap. And you're still going to be able to get 34.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your Bitcoin, if you so choose. 18669 1,511.34 BTC are in circulation at this time at a price of 57,930, according to Clark Moody's dashboard. We have 1,166.5 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that is worth $67.6 million, being run over 10,222 Lightning nodes, representing 41,073 Lightning payment channels. Tor capacity is holding at 56.0%, which means that there are 653.24 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 4,390 Tor nodes that we know of. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one with some shit coinery out of the library and Odyssey team. Don't shit coin, ladies and gentlemen. Otherwise, the following happens to you. Library fires back at SEC over aggressive and disastrous securities complaint. Well, then don't offer securities. It's that easy. You want like you 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 literally don't want to get in trouble with the SEC. I don't know. Maybe make sure your shit passes a Howie test. I, I don't like the SEC anybody any more than anybody else does, but come on, guys. 
you got to at least be careful and stop shitcoining. Joshua Mapperson tells us about it from Cointelegraph. Blockchain company Library has hit back at the Securities and Exchange Commission, saying a complaint filed against it threatens much of the crypto industry because it would define most tokens as securities. Because most tokens are. Jesus. You people crying about this shit pissed me off. The SEC has been looking into the blockchain-based publishing platform Library, otherwise known as LBRY, Incorporated, as part of a three-year investigation that started in May of 2018. Holy crap. According to the complaint filed by the SEC, the platform is alleged to have sold unregistered securities across multiple avenues, including to institutional investors and platform users between 2016 and 2020. The regulator is seeking a permanent injunction to prevent the company from selling more tokens, disgorgement of all funds received with interest, and to pay an undisclosed amount in civil penalties. Library developed a decentralized video sharing platform called Odyssey, that allows viewers to earn cryptocurrency for watching videos and for creators to earn library credits for their work. <clears throat> Since 2016, 13 million LBC tokens were sold for $5 million in Bitcoin. A press release from the SEC states that the total amount raised was $11 million, including USD and services from purchasers who participated in the offering. According to Library, while it did not conduct an initial coin offering and the SEC is not alleging fraud, its attempts to settle have been rejected by the commission, quote, the SEC declined to offer any terms that would have made it viable for U.S. citizens to exchange tokens or to allow Library Incorporated to continue to operate. We were willing to give them a pound of flesh, but they were only interested in our head, end quote. Oh, you poor little shit coiner. Despite already spending more than a million dollars on legal fees and the momentous efforts of several thousand hours of team members' time during the investigation, the company is not backing down, stating... The SEC is advancing an aggressive and disastrous new standard that would make almost all blockchain tokens securities. That's because almost all blockchain tokens are securities, except for Bitcoin. You need to understand the Howey test. Quote, classifying all actively developed blockchain tokens as securities will be a bureaucratic nightmare for United States residents and businesses operating in the U.S., end quote. Yeah, buddy, only to those people that dabble in shit coinery. Sorry for your loss. <clears throat> a petition on its website, helpsavecrypto.com, with more than 6,700 signatures to date, calls on the SEC to drop this case and establish clear standards for the cryptocurrency industry in the United States. Library claims that when it asked the SEC how it could operate legally, it was told that the regulatory body could not advise on that and could only say that they were breaking the law. It's like asking dad how to not get in trouble. However, the firm stated that should the SEC succeed in shutting down Library Incorporated, the library platform and ecosystem will remain ineffective as it is fully decentralized with hundreds of people across six continents, most of which are not library employees contributing to the network in 2020. I call bullshit. I don't think that there's that many people. I don't think it's decentralized. You guys are going to get in trouble. You did sell a security. It does not pass the Howey test and you're going to get in trouble with the SEC. It's that fucking simple. You guys that think you're all smart and shit like that, you cannot, you cannot have a token of value that is backed by the work of a third party that promises some kind of profit to any degree whatsoever. That is a complete failure of the Howey test. And you guys didn't think before you pulled the trigger on it as is 99.99% of the bullshit in this space. It, they're all commodities, or not commodities, they're all securities, and they're all unregistered, and they're all going to go down, either, either through their own machinations before the SEC gets to them or after the SEC gets to them. Do I like the SEC? No, I do not. However, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So at this point, uh, sorry for your loss. I mean, honestly, stop shitcoining and you'll be okay.
But $11 billion in fake Uniswap volume caused DeFi project and DEX to clash. Somebody's figured out how to make number go up. Uh, a day after helping Uniswap set a new, albeit short-lived and dubious record for daily transaction volume, Delta.Financial has done it again to the chagrin of Uniswap, one of the largest decentralized exchanges in the world. Delta is a DeFi protocol for removing volatility from options trading by stabilizing liquidity, and an anonymous developer with the core team which built Delta has released a smart contract that allowed nearly $11 billion in trading volume for a single token to be registered over the last 24 hours on Uniswap. That would be a new record, though it's unlikely it will stand. Uniswap Info, uh, an analytics site, yesterday invalidated the Delta volume. Okay, so this is DeFi bullshit. And honestly, at this point, they're faking volume. That's what this means. Okay, I don't. I don't give a shit what his con what this person's contract says or does, or whether or not you think DeFi is the greatest thing since sliced bread. SEC is going to come after this shit too, and when it happens, it's going to be really, really ugly because at that point, I get the feeling that they're not going to be. Uh, I get the feeling that when they start coming after DeFi. It's not going to be just the developers of the DeFi projects that are going to be involved. It's going to be everybody that traded in DeFi is going to be charged with a securities violation. Be careful out there, guys. There are so many pitfalls and traps and rivers to fall into and drown. Don't die on this hill. This is not the hill you're looking for, okay? telling you, man, you need to be careful. CoinShares, which is a registered and fairly compliant, I guess, not that I give a shit, but uh, exchange, and, and also is co-founded by one of my favorite authors, Obi Nwosu, who I read, I, actually, I read some, a piece of his yesterday. Um, apparently, they're, they're Q4 profit has more than doubled, so let's read more about this one. Jamie Crawley tells us about it. Profits at CoinShares, which is lar Europe's largest digital asset investment firm, more than doubled in the company's Q4, according to interim financial results announced on Wednesday. CoinShares Q4 adjusted earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization of 7.9 million British pounds, which is 10.9 million USD, is a 147% increase over the year, earlier period figure of 3.2 million pounds or $4.4 million. Holy shit, that is one hell of a run, bro. Uh, the digital asset manager, which began trading on the NASDAQ first north growth market on March the 11th, saw its assets under management grow to 1.74 billion British pounds in 2020, which is an increase of 336% compared to just 0.4 billion pounds the year before. This has continued in 2021 with CoinShares assets under management currently at more than $4.5 billion. These surges can be attributed to the crypto bull market, which gathered pace toward the end of 2020, which CEO Jean-Marie Magnetti described as a tipping point on the journey of Bitcoin and digital assets. So CoinShares ripping it, ripping it pretty good too, man. Now, blacklist mining. It's coming, guys. And it's actually not coming. It's, it's going to be here on May the 1st. Marathon is going to only mine fully compliant Bitcoin transactions. You heard it here first, pal. It, this shit's coming. Okay. It, and there's nothing we can do about it. Why? Because Bitcoin is for enemies. When we say that, you need to fully grasp what that means. Taproot and stuff like that will, will, will help other miners who don't want to comply be able to complete transactions for anyone the way it was meant to be okay we're gonna have to fight look i don't want I, i'm not a fan of i don't know i'm not a fan of terrorism i'm not a fan of you know child sex trafficking and you know all that kind of shit. but if if we allow a situation to happen where we start censoring transactions then bitcoin fails and Marathon is going to be one of the assholes in the space that decides to cut themselves right off the bat. 
Major U.S.-based mining firm Marathon Digital Holdings, the assholes that they are, has announced the launch of what it describes as the first North American Bitcoin mining pool that is fully compliant with U.S. regulations. That means that they're putting the collar on themselves and chaining themselves to the backyard fence. You little bitches. According to a March 30th announcement, the pool adheres to U.S. anti-money laundering guidelines and rules set out by the Office of Foreign Asset Control, or the OFAC. Marathon will ensure that transactions processed by its pool meet regulatory standards by using technology exclusively licensed by DMG blockchain, allowing transfers to be filtered. The firm will begin diverting 100% of its current cash power to the new pool from May the 1st. Marathon's new pool also plans to begin accepting hash power pool from other U.S.-based miners from June the 1st. By 2022, Marathon expects to have deployed 103,120 miners to direct 10.37 exahashes per second to the mining pool, equal to roughly 6.4% of Bitcoin's network uh, which is the currently combined hash rate by avoiding transactions executed by individuals on the U.S. Department of Treasury's specifically designated, oh, sorry, specially designated nationals and blocked persons list. Marathon claims its operations will be entirely regulatory compliant. The announcement does not specify how DMG's technology identifies whether transactions have been issued by individuals blacklisted by the Treasury Department. Merrick Akamoto, Marathon's chairman and chief cuck officer, asserted that despite the recent surge in institutional interest surrounding Bitcoin, a lack of regulatory assurances has deterred many firms from participating in Bitcoin mining. That's bullshit. Quote, while institutional interest in Bitcoin is accelerating, many large funds and corporations have expressed concern over purchasing Bitcoin that may have been tainted by nefarious actors, end quote. Quote, while we appreciate some miners' appetite for processing transactions indiscriminately, it is our belief that as a publicly listed company based in the United States and as one focused on enabling more institutional adoption of Bitcoin, it is our responsibility to follow U.S. regulations, he added. Despite the apparent reluctance of institutions to participate in Bitcoin mining, analysts believe some U.S. investors have been speculating on the stocks of major mining firms as a way to access regulated exposure to the BTC markets. Last week, Cointelegraph reported that Bitcoin mining stocks had outperformed BTC by 455% on average over the past 12 months, gaining roughly 5,000% over the same period that Bitcoin rallied 900%. Fundstrat's vice president of digital asset strategy, Lior Shimron, speculated, quote, until a Bitcoin ETF is approved, investors may view public mining companies as one of the only ways to get exposure to Bitcoin, end quote. That's, that's true. And there are eight, count them, eight freaking SEC filings sitting on the SEC's desk waiting to be approved for United States ETFs in the Bitcoin space. Canada has three. Brazil has one. The United States has none. It's embarrassing. But what's even more embarrassing is the fact that these guys are going to actually start monitoring transactions from blacklisted wallets. Do whatever it is that you need to do. I mean, honestly, I'm 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 thinking I'm just going to run uh run my some of my Bitcoin through uh my lightning node for months and months and months and then come back out of of my lightning node lightning node and I think we're going to be to a different wallet and I think it's going to be just just fine honestly I'm not exactly sure if that's going to work but this is this is just crap okay this blacklist stuff it's just it's it's just the cuckold mentality expressing itself in the bitcoin ecosystem and it needs to stop okay if you have any interest in mining or you are mining and you're thinking about going this way, fuck you. I hate your ass. Now, let's get on with it. Backed launches mobile app for Bitcoin hodling and spending. Tim Copeland tells us more about it. Crypto custodian backed has set its consumer app live on both Android and iOS, enabling anyone to store, buy, and sell cryptocurrency. The app will also let you aggregate rewards. Send cryptocurrency to your friends and we'll let you buy discounted gift cards. It currently supports 200 brands within the app. Quote, the average consumer 
Ooh, excuse me. The average consumer holds a wealth of digital assets from gift card to loyalty points to Bitcoin, but lacks the tools to adequately track and utilize that value, said BACT CEO Gavin Michael, adding, quote, we're thrilled to bring the BACT app to the public as a step along our journey to expand digital access to all. BACT's main focus is to securely store Bitcoin. It was launched by the Intercontinental Exchange, the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange, in 2018, eventually going live in December of 2019. ICE then uses its custodial services for its own Bitcoin futures offering. BACT has already conducted a pilot program with Starbucks, letting its users reload their Starbucks card and purchase coffee with Bitcoin, albeit indirectly. This service is available in the current version of the app. BACT has added a few other brands, including electronic store Best Buy, hotel chain Choice Hotels, payment processor Fiserv, or Fiserv, and golf booking service Golf Now. Each of these ba- brands are offering payment through BACT, with some providing exclusive deals for those using this particular app. Okay, well, that I don't know. I guess that's good news. But oops, uh, a 100% Bitcoin HODL outperformed CNBC's 2017 altcoin basket by 170%. What do I always say? Here's, here's how you do it. And this is investment advice. You buy Bitcoin. You hold Bitcoin. You no-sell Bitcoin. Until at such time that it buys you what you want. Bitcoin has produced phenomenal returns most years, but when it comes to maximizing them, it's best to just buy and hold. This was the conclusion from new data circulating on social media this week, which cast serious doubts on the merits of following investment advice from mainstream media. <laughs> Remember when the asshole from CNBC was, uh, was it like squawk, morning squawk or something like that? Whatever was selling, trying to get you to buy Ripple at $3 and it's at 50 cents now. And it went all the way down to like 17 cents. Literally like the week after Idiot told you to buy Ripple at $3. I'm telling you, man, what you're seeing at this moment is just how unknowledgeable all those people that we thought we should be trusting actually are. Be your own guide. Don't listen to CNBC for investment advice. Just because it's the business news channel does not mean that they know what they're talking about. And Brian Kelly sold you $3 Ripple and you bought $3 Ripple. And it's an unregistered security that's being investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. How Brian Kelly is not in jail at this point is beyond my comprehension. But Whatever, let's continue. Under the microscope with CNBC, which in 2017 offered viewers an investment portfolio made up of 30% Bitcoin and 70% shitcoin. Four years later, those who invested $10,000 at the time now have around $52,300. However, had they just bought and hodled Bitcoin, they would have over $140,000. Quote, the 30% BTC allocation is responsible for 75% of the return. Twitter account Stats BTC, which uploaded the numbers, noted in comments. CNBC's portfolio came courtesy of well-known pundit Brian Kelly months before it hit the all-time highs of $20,000. Altcoins also saw peaks months later in early 2018, with most only to crash and never recover. Subsequently, the network gained an unenviable reputation for acting as a buy signal for investors, ironically by telling them not to invest in Bitcoin. The same fate has since befallen the likes of Goldbug Peter Schiff. As Cointelegraph reported, fellow host Jim Cramer, on the other hand, has embraced Bitcoin thanks to persuasion from Morgan Creek Digital co-founder Anthony Pompliano. His investment, thought to be around $500,000, has made Cramer a ton of money, as he said earlier this month. Meanwhile, even a longer-term HODL strategy will have suffered from exposure to altcoins at the expense of Bitcoin presence, according to Bob Simon. Owner of the Stats BTC account, $100 divided equally, equally between Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ripple, Dogecoin, and Purecoin on March 2014 would now be worth $6,000. A Bitcoin-only punt, by contrast, would sell for 
$12,130. Quote, an equally weighted basket of the top five cryptocurrencies has underperformed Bitcoin by over 50% for the last seven years. Analysts still believe that this coming summer will produce huge gains for altcoins, with one arguing that a peak price alt season 2.0 has already begun. Don't buy into that hype, dude. There is never a season for alt season. Even if the alts keep even if the alts start pumping, it's 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 all it's all scam or bullshit or straight up uh straight up pump and dump off of telegram groups. Come on, man. Don't be a moron. Just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. I told my wife she should embrace her mistakes, so she gave me a hug. <laughs> you can always count on Dad, dude. All right, so it's Wednesday. It's hump day. I need to get into the habit of reminding you to like the show, share the pod, subscribe, sing the praises, go over to iTunes and give this podcast a five-star rating because it really actually helps. It's not, it's not bullshit, but that's all algorithm-driven, so that's why five-star reviews are so important to adoption. I really want to make this pretty much the last thing that I do for my life is, is doing podcasts, honestly, because it's just too much fun. And when somebody's, you know... You know, writes me on Twitter or through a Telegram group and tells me that they really enjoyed the show. Man, there's there's no higher praise. There's there's no higher praise. The honestly, the only thing that is better than that stuff is is having a loved one give you a, a good solid hug. I'm I'm serious. I mean, this is not a lie. I mean, the only thing better than getting praise for like something that I said on this show or the show in total is a hug from my wife, you know, my children, my sister, stuff like that. I mean, because it's like we're coming, we're coming back to a time where the simple things are, be, it's becoming clear that the simpler things in life were actually the most important all along and that we've been lied to for so long that we actually thought that the Aston Martin was important. Yeah, it's a little dig at Peter McCormick there. However, I'm going to defend Peter McCormick's decision to buy an Aston Martin because of this. He likes cars. That's something that apparently really set it sets him off. And if he loves cars, then he should buy a really cool car. It's not like he bought it's not like he bought something that he thought was going to appreciate in value because it was going to appreciate in value. He wanted a car, a really cool car because he likes cars. This is what I was saying. You buy Bitcoin and you hold Bitcoin until at such time that Bitcoin equals a value of something that you really, really want. In my case, it's raw land. Okay. I will be somehow or not, either I will flip Bitcoin or a decent lending company will rise up and they will not be shitheads. And I will just, you know, basically, I don't know, buy land with my Bitcoin as collateral so that I don't have to sell it. And I also don't have to incur capital gains. The only problem that I see is that if I do it that way, then I'm on the hook for making sure that the endeavor that I want to start is profitable so that I can service the debt load and be able to get rescue my BTC out of out of lending jail, if that makes sense. I don't know exactly what is all I know is that right now I'm not close to it yet. I think I will be. And at such time, I will make a consideration as to whether or not to flip a, a Bitcoin either to lend it or rather have somebody hold it as collateral or just straight up trade it for a piece of land. But what I will not do is sell it to fiat and use that fiat to buy the land. If I find like a ranch that I want to buy and I can afford it with 
some of the Bitcoin that I have, I'm going to want to find and I'm going to need somebody else who will broker that deal for my Bitcoin against the rancher's want for fiat, unless I'm lucky enough to by that time to get a rancher who's like done with fiat and will just straight up take Bitcoin. If that happens, then I'm good. But if it doesn't happen and the rancher or the farmer or whatever, whoever I'm buying the land from, if they want fiat, I'm not your guy. So I'm going to need a broker, somebody, a third party in between. I know third party are security holes, but in this particular case, I'll use one because I re fucking refuse to sell my Bitcoin into fiat at that time. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.